0: Amen. Why don't you stand with me and let your voice and magnify the Lord. He is great and greatly to be praised. Amen. If you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of Genesis, the 49th chapter. Genesis chapter 49. We'll begin reading with verse 28. Genesis 49 and 28. If you have it, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. I guess Brother Donnie and Sister McCall are going to read along with me. If you have it, amen, would you say amen? Amen. I'm glad the rest of you all are going to join us. Amen. (laughs) The scripture says this. And these are the twelve tribes of Israel. And this is it, that their fathers spake unto them and blessed them. Every one according to his blessing he blessed them. And he charged them and said unto them, I am to be gathered unto my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite. In the cave that is in the field of Machpelah, which is before Mamre or Mamre in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field of Ephron the Hittite for a possession of a burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife. There they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife. And there I buried Leah. And there I buried Leah. I want to preach for a very few moments this evening on this subject. Learning to love Leah. Learning to love Leah. Would you close your Bibles and would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I love you. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy. I thank you for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I feel settling in this place right now. I'm asking God the next few moments you'd move me out of the way, Lord. Let me become your mouthpiece. And I'm asking God that you'd speak into the hearts and the lives of this people, Lord. Let us recognize, uh, amen, what it is to love Leah in our lives, or What it is to trust you in all things, Lord, to believe that you understand that you have our best interest at heart, Lord. I'm asking you, God, to touch us and change us. In Jesus' name, would you say amen? You may be seated in the pages, of the first book of the Bible, Genesis, we watch the lives of the patriarchs unfold. We walk with them through their various experiences and we see different moments in their lives and the ends of their lives. However, as much as is said about them in those pages of Scripture, there is at least that much that is left unsaid amen there are stories that are that are not told there are events that there are years that are skipped over in in just a a word or two or a verse or two and and there are passages of time that are empty and blank to us and there are stories in there that are not readily obvious as a matter of fact to get to those stories one has to have the perception to read between the lines to recognize the significance of sometimes isolated passages of Scripture. I want to tell you one of those stories this evening. It begins in the context of a very familiar tale, one that you have probably heard a hundred times or more. It's a story that begins with a young man named Jacob, who with the assistance of his mother deceived his father, his dying father, and stole his elder brother's birthright he went in and he lied to his father said it is i esau he carried the the skin of the the little lamb on his arms so his hand arms would be rough and 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 his father isaac was a, at the same time aware that this smells like my oldest son this feels like my oldest son but this doesn't sound like my oldest son amen But he deceived him and he stole the blessing that was to be his brothers. After that event, his mother began to fear for his life and she planted the thought in his father's head that it would be a shame if he married the wives of the land of Canaan. And so Isaac sent his own son away to go to the land of his father people to go back to his mother's brother Laban, his uncle. And so we find Jacob fleeing the land of his father, fleeing the place where he's grown up, fleeing to an uncle he's never met in a distant land called Mesopotamia. And when he arrives in that place, if you follow the narrative of scripture, before he ever meets up with his uncle, he stops at a well. And there at that well, Jacob encounters a beautiful young lady by the name of Rachel. And from that moment, from the moment that he first laid his eyes on her, Jacob was hopelessly in love with Rachel. Uh, He came to her, and and she needed to water the flock, and he rolled the stone away so that she could water her father's flock. And then, in a surprising forward turn of events, uh, the Scripture says that Jacob kissed her. I wouldn't recommend this. Amen. As far as I can tell from scripture, he hasn't even asked her name yet, but he laid a big one on her, and then the Bible said he turned his head towards heaven, and he wept, must have been quite a kiss, amen, only then does he introduce himself to Rachel as her father's kinsman, only then does he tell that he's come to this far land in search of a bride, the narrative is swift and pointed. Jacob arranges to marry Rachel in exchange for seven years of hard labor. He will work for his uncle Laban. He will, he will live in his household and he'll do the labor that he requires of him. And then he will give him Rachel for his wife. But the story takes a sudden and unexpected turn. When Laban deceives Jacob on his wedding night. And gave him Leah... Instead of Rachel. As beautiful as Rachel was. As attractive as Rachel was. As comely as Rachel was. That's how ugly Leah was. Scripture says in Genesis 29 and 17. Leah was tender eyed. But Rachel was beautiful and well favored. Now you read that. Tender-eyed is a translation that is both polite and favorable to Leah. But the word that is used there indicates that she was weak-eyed or dull-eyed. The meaning of that phrase is that she was ugly. She was unattractive. I mean, this, there's, there's no way to get around that. There's nothing about Leah that would make you be attracted to her. You can imagine Uh, Young men, the ugliest girl you know, and she doesn't compare to Leah. Amen? Don't go naming any names now. Don't tell anybody who you're thinking about. But she was as ugly as ugly gets. And she was not the one that Jacob was in love with. She was not the one that he labored seven years for. She was not the one that he had placed all of his hopes and his dreams upon. She was not the one that he kissed by the whale of his first day in Mesopotamia. She was not the one that had stolen his heart. Rachel was the beautiful one. Rachel had the wow factor. She was the one that was stunning to look at. Leah had the what factor. As in, what in the world have I gotten into? What did you do to me? What is it that you've forced upon me? What is it that you've done to me? But the scripture says that Jacob's great love for Rachel induced him to agree to labor another seven years in order to receive Rachel also as his wife. The span of those 14 years passes very quickly in Scripture. And after the end of that second seven years, Jacob marries Rachel and he now has the sisters as both of his wives. That sets up a conflict that would forever mark the household of Jacob. It was an intense rivalry between those two sisters. The Bible mentions several times in those early years that Jacob loved Rachel, but he hated Leah. He loved his fair-haired beauty. He loved the one that has caught his eyes. uh, But he despised the one that was forced on him. Uh, He despised the one that that, that he never intended uh, to have. Uh, Amen. He despised the one that his uncle had tricked him with. The Bible says, though, that because Jacob favored Rachel, the Lord made Leah the productive one. He made Leah conceive while Rachel remained childless. From those two women and and their handmaids, the twelve tribes of Israel will be born. But it was Leah who gave birth to six Sons, And among them, the two tribes that play the most significant roles in the history of the nation of Israel. The tribe of Levi comes from Leah, that priestly tribe, uh, that tribe that serves God, uh, that tribe that is distinguished among all of its brethren. And the tribe of Judah comes from Leah, that tribe that became the tribe uh, of royalty, that tribe that became uh, the vessel through which the promised sea would come. Uh, Jesus Christ will be born of the tribe of Judah. Another two sons came through Leah's handmaid and the way that worked in that day and age those count to her credit. Amen. So Leah is mother or surrogate mother of eight of the twelve sons of Israel. Rachel's barrenness persisted even though she gave her own handmaid to her husband, and he conceived two sons with her. Then finally, Rachel's womb was opened, and you know the story. She gave birth to her firstborn, Joseph, and then later to Benjamin. Benjamin's birth, however, is the end of Rachel's story. Rachel died in childbirth and was buried where she died at Bethlehem. The Bible says that there where she died, Jacob set a pillar on her grave, a grave marker that endured through all of Israel's history that was there for years and years and years to come. They called it Rachel's tomb, and you'll find it referenced at different places in Scripture. But after Rachel's death, Leah carried on as the only wife of Jacob. She was the mother of his many children. She was the one who kept his house. She was the one who cared for his kids. She was the one who was there when he needed someone to be there for him. The Bible does not tell us the circumstances of Leah's death. It only records that when she died, Jacob buried her in the family plot of Abraham in the cave of Machpelah. Now that's the end of the story. But as old Paul Harvey used to say, now for the rest of the story. You see, it's not until the end of Jacob's life, long after Leah's death, that we finally get some insight into the significance of Leah to Jacob. In the final moments of his life, as he's preparing to leave this world, as he's drawing his final breath, Jacob instructs his sons, I am to be buried, not at Bethlehem, not beneath the pillar with Rachel, the wife of my youth. Don't take me there and bury me with her, but take me to the cave at Machpelah and bury me where I buried Leah. In the early years of his life, in that portion that is narrated in Scripture, Jacob loved Rachel and despised Leah. But what happens in the passage of time, that, that portion that isn't included in the story of Scripture, something incredible takes place. Uh, by the end of his days, uh, by the end of his life, Jacob wants to be laid to rest next to Leah, the wife of his latter years. I submit to you that somewhere along the way Jacob learned to love Leah. Somewhere along the way Jacob learned to love the ugly one. Somewhere along the way Jacob learned to love the one he never asked for. He learned to love the one that was forced on him. Somewhere along the way he learned to love the one that had been an inconvenience to him She who he had all but rejected became the one that ultimately possessed his heart. Somewhere along the way, Jacob learned the value of that ugly thing that God had placed in his life. Somewhere along the way, he came to appreciate that woman who was not beautiful on the outside, but had a deep beauty on the inside. The greatest blessings of Jacob's life came through Leah. It was Leah that satisfied his heart. It was Leah that made him whole again. It was Leah after the death of Rachel that loved him without holding a grudge uh, when she could have turned her shoulder at him and said, when you could have had me, you didn't want me. Uh, But now that I'm all that's left, uh, amen, now you come to me. Uh, She could have turned away from him, uh, but without any malice, uh, without holding a grudge, uh, without any hatefulness in her heart, uh, Leah held him uh, when he wept and cried. Uh, She healed him uh, from his broken heart Uh, she was everything he needed her to be it was Leah that was by his side through the many long years that would follow it was Leah that stood with him through hard times Uh, it was Leah that stood with him through difficult moments Uh, and ultimately it was Leah that he wanted to spend eternity with Uh, ultimately it was Leah that he said I want to be buried where I buried Leah What a dramatic change in the narrative. The one that was rejected became the one that was favored. The one that had been shunned, that had been pushed aside. She became the one that possessed the seat of honor. She became the one that captured his heart. I'm going to tell you right away, I'm not about to deliver to you anything that's phenomenal or deep or even long this evening, but I come with a simple but powerful lesson from the Word of God. Mark what I'm about to say. There are some things that are going to enter your life that are ugly. There are things you didn't ask for. There are things that you don't deserve. There are things that you didn't bargain on. There are things that you never planned for. But I want to challenge you uh, on a Sunday night uh, not to judge those things uh, by the way they look right now. uh, Because God has a strange way of taking that which was ugly, uh, that which was despised, uh, that which was a curse, uh, and turning it into something beautiful, uh, into something that is loved, uh, into a blessing. God has a way of taking that which was hated and turning it into something that is loved. Mark my words, you better learn how to love Leah. You better learn how to love the ugly things that come into your life because God's going to put some things in your life. He's going to put some things uh, in your path uh, that you will never understand. Uh, There's some things that are going to happen to you that you're never going to be able to reason out. Uh, they're not going to be your fault. Somebody else is going to do it to you. Somebody else is going to be the blame. Uh, amen. It's not You're going to have made a fair bargain. Uh, you're going to have worked your years. Uh, you're going to have done your part. Uh, You're going to have put your time in. Uh, You're going to have invested yourself uh, and what you get. Uh, is not going to be what you planned on. Uh, It's not going to be what you bargained for. Uh, It's going to be something ugly. It's going to be something unattractive. Uh, It's going to be something that turns you away, Uh, that you want to shun, that you want to hate, that you want to put distance between you and it. But Mark, my words, you better learn. How to love, Leah? It's those things he's gonna put in your life, uh, Amen. That are that that make no sense to you. They, they, they don't work out. Uh, you can't reason them out. You can't figure how you got here and how this came into your life. Uh, you're going to step back at some point uh, and you're going to question your sanity. What was I thinking? Uh, making a deal with Laban. Uh, what was I thinking? Uh, how come I didn't know it wasn't her? Uh, how come I didn't recognize uh, what was happening to me? You're going to lift your hands to heaven one of these days. And an ultimate act of futility. You're going to ask God, why? Why me, Lord? Why here, Lord? Why now, Lord, why, Lord, have you put me in this place? Why, Lord, have you allowed this ugly thing to come into my life? Why, Lord, have you let this circumstance develop? Why, God, have you let this come to pass? But listen to your pastor this evening. It's not the beautiful things in your life that will eventually bless you. It is the ugly things. It's the things that you would never expect a blessing to come from. It's the things that you would never expect goodness to flow out of. The greatest blessings of your life are going to come from your greatest challenges. Uh, They're going to come from the greatest obstacles. Uh, They're going to come from the lowest moments. Uh, The scripture is very plain. Beauty will rise uh, from ashes. Uh, Ashes are all that's left. uh, Burned up hopes and dreams. Uh, Ashes is all you have left uh, when you wake up next to Leah. Uh, But if you hold on, uh, the scripture says beauty comes uh, from ashes. Uh, Joy rises rises from sadness, Uh, wholeness is going to spring forth from brokenness. Prosperity will be birthed in seasons of great loss. It was Brother Tenny who said it best when he said that God is more worried about your development than your comfort. He's going to put you in some places. They're going to challenge you. He's going to put you in some uncomfortable situations. He's going to put you in some uncomfortable places. He's going to subject you to some things uh, that you never asked for, that you never Counted on uh, that you never reason could ever be a part of your life, uh, Bart, What I'm saying, you're going to wake up one morning, uh, expecting to roll over and see your lovely Rachel, uh, only to discover uh, that you've been tricked in the night uh, and you've awoken next to the ugly one. Anybody ever felt that way? Men don't raise your hands. I come to tell you, don't despair. Leah may be unattractive on the outside, but she's sweet and lovely on the inside. Scholars tell me that there is a striking study of contrast between Rachel and Leah. While Rachel possessed great beauty, she had deep emotional issues. It was Rachel that stole the idols from her father's house and introduced idolatry into the house of Jacob. It was Rachel who lied to her father when he came. She she put them in a box, sat upon it, and claimed that she could not move because it was that time of the month and she was unclean. And so she hid the idols there and she concealed them and she kept them and she brought that sin into the house of Jacob. It was Rachel that struggled greatly with her inability to produce children to the point that the scripture tells the story of how it strained her relationship with Jacob how she came to him and she said give me children else i die and the bible said he was angry he was he was consumed with wrath what have i got to do with this uh, amen and so it was it was Rachel that that the relationship that he had with the beautiful one the relationship that he had with the one that he desired the relationship that he had with the one that he would have chosen uh, It was that relationship that was strained. Uh, It was that relationship that was full of pitfalls uh, and misgivings. Uh, It was that relationship that was clouded by deception. Over time, Jacob would come to appreciate the plain, unattractive, unassuming Leah. Because of the beauty of her spirit, the deepness of her love, and the patience of her passion. She was willing to wait for him. She was willing to win him over slowly. She was willing to love him unconditionally. And mark my words. uh, Amen. God's going to put you in a place uh, where you're going to find yourself with ugly things in your life. uh, But what appears to be a curse today uh, will become a blessing before it's finished. Uh, What appears to be that your enemy has the upper hand. uh, It appears your uncle got the better of you. It appears that Laban got the best end of the deal. uh, But before it's over with, uh, you're going to treasure the fact uh, that God gave you Leah. You're going to treasure the fact uh, that the ugly one became a part of your life, the seeds of your greatest days will be planted in the shadows of your darkest moments. The most difficult season of my life was the two-year period between the birth of Rockland and the birth of Harrison. I've often shared that story, and I'll tell it again very briefly here tonight. Rockland was born with an inguinal hernia. I don't know how many know that. He was born with a need for surgery, and we found out almost immediately after his birth that we needed to take him to Arkansas Children's Hospital where they would do surgery on him. That wasn't what we expected. We just had our first child. This was supposed to be a Rachel moment. It was supposed to be a moment of beautiful things. It was supposed to have been a moment of of rejoicing. You're supposed to get to sit back and relish the fact that you've just had your first child. Brother Donnie, you're supposed to get a day or two off of work uh, and a day or two out of stress uh, and a day or two just to enjoy the wonderful thing that God has placed in your life. But somehow we woke up next to Leah that morning somehow we discovered that it was Leah that we had embraced and not Rachel. It was ugly, not Rockland, but the situation. It was ugly. It was unattractive. It was depressing. It wasn't anything you'd ever long for. It wasn't anything you'd ever desire. It wasn't anything you'd ever want to happen. They did that surgery when he was only six days old. And we never imagined in the days prior to his birth that we'd have to hand our baby son over to an anesthesiologist when he was only six days old. We never imagined we'd have to sign those... Those uh, What do they call those papers? Releases, waivers. It says, I understand my baby might not wake up from this surgery. I understand that when we put him to sleep, there's no guarantee that he ever opens his eyes again. And, and I won't hold the hospital responsible. Anybody ever sign one of those? Amen. I understand what I'm getting into. Uh, amen. We never imagined that we would have to go to that length. Uh, amen. We were expecting Rachel but what we got was Leah. However, that moment, as devastating as it was, was just the beginning. Over the course of the next two years, Rockland would have a total of five surgeries. Three of them would relate to the hernia problem but each and every one of them would require us to once again go back to that uncomfortable place, sign those dreaded papers, and hand our baby to an anesthesiologist who was going to put him to sleep. And on one of those occasions, the the unthinkable happened. On one of those occasions, the the things they warned us might happen did happen, and he had a, a laryngeal spasm as they were uh, in, taking, extubating him after having intubated him, and they nearly lost him. Uh, and man, it was one of those moments that seizes your heart and, and you recognize how close we came to a disaster. It was two years and 23 days after Rockland was born that his little brother came along. And once again, Rachel quickly turned into Leah. Harrison had a major heart defect. He was born with a congenital heart defect. The initial prognosis was not good. As a matter of fact, there was a better chance that he would die before he got to the hospital in Little Rock than that he would live long enough for us to ever see him again. But God answered prayer. I'm thankful for God who answers prayer. And by his grace, the situation changed. I saw the x-ray charts in Jonesboro. I saw the doctor explain, you see this? This is his heart. If you look, you can't see any lungs anywhere. You can't see anything else in his chest cavity. His heart is so big it fills the entire chest cavity. Amen. And I saw the x-ray just a little over an hour, maybe two hours later in Little Rock, the moment they got him off the ambulance uh, and they ran him into the x-ray room the doctor said, I don't know what happened. Uh, Amen. But something changed. Uh, No, it wasn't healed. No, it wasn't finished. Yes, there was still uh, a traumatic surgery. Uh, Amen. But God intervened. Uh, I'm thankful that God answers prayer. Amen. So when Harrison was only six days old, they performed a life-saving surgery on him, and they cautioned us as his parents to prepare ourselves for many surgeries that would possibly follow that surgery. And once again, God intervened, and here we sit tonight. He's 16 years old, and he's yet to go under the knife again, and we're believing, God, as we do every year, that this year we're going to get a good report. Amen. I'm thankful for that. But let me tell you what else I'm thankful for. I'm thankful that God sent Leah into my life. I'm thankful for those ugly moments. I'm thankful for that valley that we walked through. I'm thankful for those trying and difficult times. I'm gonna tell you the truth. If I had it to do over again, I wouldn't change one moment. I wouldn't change one thing. I wouldn't take any of it back. I wouldn't do it any differently because it was in the valleys. It was through the trials. Uh, It was in the shadows of the darkness uh, of the night. uh, When Leah was as ugly as she could ever be, uh, that I learned that I could trust uh, my Jesus. uh, Then I learned that when I call on him, he's going to be there. Then I learned that he has me in the palm of his hand and I wouldn't trade it for anything. Won't you know I went into that, Brother Donnie, hating Leah. I went into that trying to push her away. I'll never forget the day Harrison was born. Like I said, it had been two years and 23 days of continual medical trauma and continual medical problems. And when they came into the room and told us, uh, there's a problem with your baby boy. uh, And it's serious. uh, I fell on my knees in the hospital room, not to pray, but to cry, uh, to weep. Uh, I began to say over and over again, I can't do this again. I don't want to do this again. I don't want to go through this again. I don't want to walk down that room, down that hall and into that room ever again. I tried to push her away. I don't want to have anything to do with Leah, but I want you to know that somewhere along the way, I learned to love Leah. Somewhere along the way, I learned to respect what God had done for me. Somewhere along the way, I learned to be thankful for the pain. I learned to be thankful for the heartache. I learned to be thankful for the trial because it was in the trial that he proved himself to me. It was in the trial that I learned how to trust him. I want to tell somebody in this house tonight You need to reevaluate your situation. Don't be so quick to push Leah away. Don't be so quick to shun Leah. God has brought you to this place. He brought you to this valley. He brought you to this struggle. He brought you to this ugly situation. And he did it for his own divine purpose. He knows what you need. He knows how to meet your need. He's ordered your footsteps. He's planned your life. Your life had a purpose before you were ever born. And he knows exactly how to deliver you to where he wants you to be. He's getting ready to bless you. Mark my words. It may not look like it right now. It may not feel like it right now. You may look around you and everything you see may defy what this preacher's saying tonight. Huh? But you better hear what I'm telling you. God's getting ready to bless you. Huh? God's getting ready to open the fountains of heaven huh? and pour you out a blessing that you cannot contain. Think about it you took the time tonight to look over your life from where you are right now, to look back over your yesterdays, to look back over the things that lie behind you, you'll quickly discover that the parts of the story that you would like to leave out, the parts of the story that were the most uncomfortable, the parts of the story that are the ugliest are the parts of the story that have made you who you are today. They're the parts that have formed you, that have molded you, that have made you into the person that God wanted you to be. That trial, that test, that deep, dark season of your life, uh, that was the season where God manifested his love to you. That was the season, the middle of the ugly situation, in the middle of the trying time. That was where God proved himself. Once you look backwards and recognize the truthfulness of what I'm saying, you need to turn your eyes back to the future. And you need to recognize the value of the ugly thing that is coming to your life. You need to recognize uh, the potential in your current situation. It's time to take another look at Leah. It's time uh, to get past uh, the grim exterior. It's time to get past uh, the ugly facade. It's time to get past uh, all the things that are so easy to see uh, and look a little deeper uh, and see the blessing that's hiding in the shadows uh, of your trial. Uh, See the blessing that's hiding in the middle of your circumstance God's getting ready to bless you he's getting ready to multiply you he's getting ready to turn your Leah into the very love of your life over the years I've picked up a saying that has become a very large part of my vocabulary I say it often I say it without, saying, without even thinking of it it's just one of those things my mother-in-law bought me a sign from my office, has these words inscribed on it. She'll tell you when she saw it, she thought of me because I say it all the time. It is what it is. It is what it is. A few days ago, in the middle of a service where the anointing of the Holy Ghost was moving, the power of God was ministering. This thought was the furthest thing from my mind. And out of the blue, God dropped something in my spirit unexpectedly. It was not something that somebody else said to me. It was just something that God put in my spirit. And he said to me, it is what I say that it is. It's not what it is. It's not what it appears to be. It's not what it seems to be. It is what I I say that it is. Uh, Amen. It's not what you've judged it to be. It's not what you understand it to be. You may look at it and say it is uh, what it is. Uh, But I come to tell you, whatever it is, uh, it is what God says uh, that it is. Uh, Amen. It may look like Leah to you. Uh, It may look like an ugly thing to you. Uh, It may look like trial and trouble to you. Uh, It may look like tragedy to you. Uh, But it is. what God says that it is it's not to be judged by what it appears to be it's not to be judged by what it seems to be it's not to be judged by it's outward appearance Leah is always ugly but the blessing flows through Leah it is whatever God says that it is and that's all that it is. It may be ugly. It may be unattractive. It may be. It may look like you've been wronged. It may look like you got the short end of the stick. Uh, but hang in there, because it is what God says uh, that it is. Uh, what looks like a detour. What looks like a wrong turn. Uh, what looks like something's going to take you in the wrong direction. Uh, what looks like all your plans for your life, uh, everything you had worked out and reasoned out, and all of a sudden there's a detour, and all of a sudden there's a there's a strong turn. Uh, and all of a sudden you find yourself going away that you never anticipated. Uh, Amen. What looks like a detour is really the most direct route to the place where God wants you to be. Don't judge it for what it seems to be. Don't judge it For what it appears to be. Don't judge it for the unattractiveness in the situation. Recognize the fact that he's the one who orders my footsteps. He's the one who establishes my going out and my coming in. He's the one that makes a way where there seems to be no way. He's the one that opens a door that no man can open. And he governs my life come to talk to some folks this evening that walked into this place with Leah walking in your shadow. Trouble and heartache. Problems and circumstances that are beyond your control. You didn't ask for this. You didn't bargain on this. This wasn't a part of the deal. But I've come to challenge you to learn to love Leah. To learn to see the beauty in the ashes, to learn to see the joy that rises from sadness. It may not be what you expected. It may not be what you wanted. But have enough faith to believe God's about to use it to bless you. Amen. Amen. You didn't get here by your own hand. You didn't get here by anything you did. Are you foolish enough to think this is your fault? He governs you. If if you're a righteous person, if you're a saint of God, my Bible said he orders the footsteps of a righteous man. He determines where I go. I may think, uh, amen, that I'm in control. I may think uh, that I'm ordering and planning my life. uh, But the truth of the matter is, uh, amen, that He charts my course. Uh, He sets me on my path. Uh, He knows exactly where I am because He put me there. It wasn't my plan. It wasn't the way I wanted it. It wasn't the way I expected it to go. I thought I was chasing Rachel. I thought I was working for the beautiful thing. I thought I was about to embrace something special. But something went wrong. And what looked like Rachel in the darkness of the night turned out to be Leah in the twilight of morning. But don't despair. Don't throw in the towel. This isn't the end of the story. This isn't the end of what God's doing in your life. This is just a moment, just a transition, just a place in time. And in a little while, you're going to learn that Leah's beautiful. In a little while, you're going to learn that your fountain of blessing flows through Leah. In a little while, you're going to learn that the good days and the good things, they come from Leah. And if you'll just hang in there, if you just hold on, If you'll just keep believing, God's got you in the palm of His hand. Would you stand with me? I don't think I've been long. I know I have been a little off the cuff. I've called my son ugly. Got his mama mad at me. I'll have to deal with that in a little while. I really, really feel strongly in my spirit have for a day or so I I told the men in my office this morning, I said, I've got a I've got a title. I know what I'm gonna preach, I just don't have any kind of notes, I don't have any kind of a message, but I feel very strongly God wants me to stand in this pulpit and tell somebody, You've judged the thing. You've looked it in the eyes and you've said it's ugly. You said you don't want to go there. You said you don't want to endure this. You said I can't go through this again. I can't do this. But God sent me to this place to tell you if you just hang on, he's going to turn Leah into the most precious part of your life. If you just hang on, he's going to take your hardship. He's going to take your trouble. He's going to take your trial. He's going to take the difficult season. And one of these days, you're going to look back on that. And you're going to recognize that's where the blessings flowed. That's where the goodness of God came into your life. That's where the power of God made itself manifest. That's where I learned to love him. as I learned to love Leah. This evening, these altars are open. There's somebody under the sound of my voice that you've got questions for God. You've asked Him why. Why me? Why here? Why now? Why this? You don't understand, and that's okay. You don't have to understand. He doesn't owe you understanding. He only asks that you trust Him. He only asks that you follow Him. He only asks that you keep believing. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of your life. He's going to take care of the circumstance. I know that there are things going on in the lives of people around me right now. I know the altars aren't flooded and filled, but I know there are people under the sound of my voice. You're standing with Aaliyah, and you know it. There are things in your life that aren't right. There are things in your life that aren't good. There are things in your life that are ugly, and you don't want to tell everybody your business, and I understand that. And you don't want to open up your heart and your soul and tell everybody what's going on, and I get that, Amen. But I come to tell you, it's time to reevaluate what's going on in your life. Uh, It's time to look for the blessing. Uh, It's time to look for the goodness. Uh, It's time to look for the hand of God. uh, Because He knows exactly what He's doing. He has a plan. He has a purpose. He has a will. And one of these days, honey, you can write it down. One of these days, you're going to look back. And Leah's going to be the one you love. One of these days, you're going to look back. Leah's going to be the one that captured your heart. One of these days, you're going to look back. And that time of trial is going to be the time of blessing. And you're going to recognize God was in control all along. Why don't you call out to him? Why don't you tell him, Lord, I trust you. I don't have to understand, God, I trust you. Teach me, Lord, to love Leah. Teach me, Lord, to embrace the circumstance of my life. Teach me, Lord, to recognize the value of the pain and the suffering. Teach me, Jesus, to love Leah.